Hello, hello. Welcome to Random Acts of Living. I'm your host, Emilia Nordhuk. Thank you for joining me today. I'm really excited about the story that I have to tell you. So let's go ahead and just dig right into the meat of it. Well, hello, gentle listeners, and welcome to Random Acts of Living. I'm Amelia Nordhuk, your hostess with the mostess. Um, Today, I wanted to talk about, well, I intended to talk about um, part two of the great COVID uh, escape 2021 and, you know, move on from the death of the Art B. and but but several things have happened since my return to Iowa, and one of those those big things is that my dad, who um, who was diagnosed with COVID the day that we we left, um, is still suffering from the lingering effects of it. So it's been four weeks, and although he's much better. And he didn't have to be hospitalized. We're still dealing with um, this, uh, like, COVID lung and fatigue and all of that. So, I, yeah, <laughs> so so that's still happening and, and kind of, like, has my energy uh, low and has made me just really feel for people in the past 15 months all around the world who's whose family members have not made it. Um, this is a like such a serious illness. We all need to take it seriously. Um, so there's that. And then the other issue that's that's come up is, you know, is two days ago, um, in the the trial for Derek Chauvin, who was who murdered George Floyd, um yeah, the verdict came back and it was guilty on all accounts, which was just like nothing short of a miracle. And, um, and there are so many really awesome people who have been speaking about this issue uh, and the issues of equity and over-policing and the African-American community and, you know, all of this stuff. And there's still a long, long way to go. Um but, you know, but all this stuff, you know, just has made me, you know, really give a lot of thought to how each of us is responsible for this, you know, maybe we're not responsible for the inequity in the world, but we are responsible to do something to change it. And I've had a lot of so actually, I was thinking about this a lot on my trip because I I drove through part of the reservation that I was uh, born in, in Arizona, on the Navajo Reservation. And I just had a lot, uh, you know, was just contemplating like how truly lucky I was to have that experience and to be raised in such a diverse environment and and not to be raised in Iowa. <laughs> um, and, and so it made me think about like wanting to talk to my dad because there's a really important family story um, about racism in my family. And and I really want my dad to talk about it. So I'm not going to go into too much, 
much uh, depth about it because I think the story from his perspective is um, is pretty powerful. But you know, but like as I'm I'm thinking about all this stuff and like you know I've I've always considered that you know that I'm I'm like a pretty I'm I'm pretty hip I'm on it I understand my white privilege I I know that you know I I comport myself with humility and and uh, and work really hard at being an ally to um to people of color and 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 everyone who who kind of is outside of this like box that we've decided like this is the box where you know all of the privilege is and everybody outside that box you know you know doesn't have the same educational or you know economic or um work or all of these other resources so um, and as a woman, I, of course, have felt, um, you know, discriminated against and, and, and harassed and, you know, all sorts of things. Right. But I, I started to really contemplate, like, my place as a white woman in this society, in the United States of America. And, and that's where I thought, you know, because of my experience of being an immigrant, uh, or being from an immigrant family and growing up on the reservation and having, you know, worked in really diverse places and for the last 15 years, you know, in Hawaii and on Molokai, you know, I, I felt like, yeah, like, I don't, I don't have, you know, discriminatory or unconscious bias or, you know, I always felt like I'm pretty aware I mean, and I still do think I'm aware, but, and it's a big but, <laughs> I, I'm also wondering, like, what my responsibility is in working with other white women to overcome our collective unconscious bias, our collective racism. Because I've been reading this fantastic book by um, this incredible thought, <laughs> this incredible woman um, named Heather McGee, and the book is called The Sum of Us. And it's, you know, just how well, the caption says, you know, what racism costs everyone and how we can prosper together. And you, I mean, just, just highly recommend this book. She's taking these really, really complex, uh, economic, you know, um, concepts and breaking them down into bite-sized pieces and showing how, you know, yes, these policies have primarily affected African-Americans and people of color and, in many other communities, but, you know, white Americans are also hurt by these policies and especially in, you know, the contemporary atmosphere. And one of the things like she goes back to is talking about how, you know, white women have participated in racism. And I think, you know, like having worked with the Women's March and, um, and known that there's, 
um, you know, women of color like have come <laughs> had always from the beginning stepped up and said, yes, you know, this is a problem. Yes, this is a great thing, but you are definitely like forgetting, you know, to incorporate and support and, you know, ally with, uh, you know, with women of color. So, yeah, so I think it's a, it's a huge thing. And, and then also through my political work, I, I know, and it's, it's documented that in 2016, 52% of white women voted for Trump. And in 2020, 54% of white women voted for Trump. And everyone is like always shocked about that. Like, oh my God, that can't be true. Uh, yeah. Well, we don't want it to be true, <laughs> but but it's true. And and even if there's like an error on the percentage points, like that's still like a huge block of white women who are voting for a racist, misogynistic, homophobe, like, you know, we can go on just like erratic human being. And, you know, why? Like, I can say, like, yeah, many of them probably, you know, are, you know, go down that QAnon, you know, rabbit hole. But a lot of them are, I'd have to say, are like my mom, who voted for him in 2016, are decent, um, well-meaning women. So, so I've spent a lot of time thinking, you know, because uh, driving around the Southwest and, you know, being up here in Iowa about, you know, how, how do we as white women in this culture, like, you know, how do we become the allies that I think many of us want to be, you know, how do we serve best to create diversity um, in, in these small towns and, you know, how, how do we work at repairing, you know, this history of racism that white women have supported? I, I was reading a report and they called it um, the, the white heteropatriarchy, <laughs> which I was like, ooh, I like that. What? Well, I mean, I don't like it, but I think it's a great, it's a great explanation. And, um, and I think that, you know, we look at, you know, women of color and, and entire communities who are doing like so much work and really, you know, bringing to our attention, the, the inequalities and, you know, the racism and the violence and, you know, all of these things. But I also really believe that, you know, at some point, like, like white women, like we need to like get together and really like deal with our own shit around this. Maybe this isn't going to be a very popular or, um, yeah, or like common idea, but I, you know, I think we rely on, you know, talking to, you know, women of color, you know, around like feminism, and, and we always should, <laughs> like, you know, check in with, um, 
with people uh, around, you know, what we're doing. But I think we also need to have these conversations amongst ourselves. And I think we need to, you know, talk about, you know, this legacy of racism, you know, from you know, from the very beginnings of our country, where, you know, white women, like had a certain amount of power of being, you know, married to white men who owned slaves. And, um, and Heather McGee, Miss McGee talks about like some very chilling instances of, um, of just horrific instances of, you know, what white women would visit on the 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 people that they owned and it's and it's awful um you read it at your own risk because i can guarantee you um the images will not leave your mind um for a very long period of time um they will haunt you and they should haunt us and i i know that i'm not responsible for that behavior but I do have to look at in what ways do I perpetuate that white privilege in the current um, atmosphere in this world right now. And so these are the things I'm thinking about, and and it's why I wanted to take a break from talking about like the amazing trip that I was able to go on while my father and mother quarantined <laughs> in uh, in Iowa. And, um, and also we quarantined and socially distant, did social distancing, uh, on our trip as well. Um, but I'm just so, I'm so curious about how, how we do this, you know, because I, I think that, you know, just like, I really believe that white men need to, you know, figure out how they become better allies amongst themselves for women and people of color. I also think, you know, the white women should do the same work. And, and um, I'm struggling to figure out how to do that. So maybe that's an open question for anybody, anyone out there listening. How is it that you do this work? Is there anybody out there, you know, like forming a group to to do this work or doing it on your own or or finding you know ways to address these issues you know i i you know we can read all the books and we can do all these things and and i always work with um diverse communities um all over the world because a, it's just more interesting. It gives us <laughs> much more information to change the world. Like if we're not in our, you know, our our own little silos, like reaching across um, that space and creating diverse, really diverse circles that we can operate from. And it's something that I have to, you know, I really have to have to work at. Because my diverse bubbles, I'm like, of course, I'll, you know, include people of color and I'll include, you know, um, people with different sexual preferences and, you know, genders and da, 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 like, that's no problem. But you give me somebody, some conservative Christian, I got a stop sign right there. (laughs) 
So, you know, I do have my, like, where diversity ends. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, not there. Um, so I'm challenging myself to to move over that. And, oh, well, luckily, I live in Iowa right now with my parents, so I have ample opportunity to practice that particular <laughs> um, stretch for my diversity um, inclusionary practices. Um, yeah. So, and I just found out my dad bought, uh, three tickets for us to go to, um, a socially distant concert of a Johnny Cash cover band. Yeah, I didn't stutter. (laughs) I'm actually kind of excited about it. It's been so long since I've seen live music. I'm just like, yes, a Johnny Cash cover band. That's the thing. So I think I'm about to have a very unique uh, cultural experience here in Cresco, Iowa. Anyway, that's all I, um, that's my story for today. And do, you know, um, shoot me an email or on my social media if you have any suggestions or if you've been reaching out and doing this work. Um, I would love to hear from you, a gentle listener. I would love, love, love that. So um, have a great afternoon and um, we'll talk soon. Aloha. Thank you for joining me. And if you found this interesting or provocative or maddening, well, leave me a review and tell me about it. Drop me a line. Let me know some of your stories. And thanks again for joining me. I look forward to talking to you again. Have a great day. Be well. Stay present. Aloha. Aloha.